podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Leeds Up podcast. I'm Andy and I'm joined by James. Hello. Matt. Hello. And Paul. Hiya. First off, how is everybody? I can see James has had his ears a little bit lowered. Yeah, it was um, my wife tried to cut my hair in the garden. Not sure still how I feel about it. Why the garden? Just a lot of hair. Better lighting. Almost like your chest, Paul. What's with that crop top? The fair point. <laughs> it does look slightly misshapen. You look a bit like Simon Cowell, but not not as wealthy. I think if we're already on to is this pyjamas or is it not loungewear, we're, uh, we're struggling for topics of conversation. I'm wearing Leeds United lounge pants, so I think lounge pants is fine, Paul. Very nice. Give us a look. They just say, hang on, they just say marching on together on there. It's just like a little blue thing. Official merch. So, so, and a Broodnell Social Club top. Yeah, that's right. Leads all the way today. Leads that. Right, we've got plenty to discuss on this podcast and we've uh, also got a really good interview with Stevie Ward, Leeds Riders captain, coming up. But before we get into all that, how's everyone feeling about football at the moment? I'm missing it still. It's exciting it's starting up again with training and stuff though, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. It's been nice to see the players in their uh, in their training kit out there at Thorpe Arch. I saw that uh, Janny had broken the camera today in training. Yeah, he wasn't social distancing when he grabbed that, was he? Well, it depends whether it was being held by a person or a robot. Well, I yeah, that's true. I assumed it was someone moving it, but... I think it probably was. (laughs) And speaking of uh, haircuts, Big Kev, talk to me. Well, this is what we expected James to do with his hair. Yeah, we were just talking about this a minute ago. Yeah, actually, he's. I was saying that there's risks in bleaching your own hair because it can basically just kill your hair, but he's gone for it unless he's, you know... Maybe he's married to a hairdresser. Yeah, that's true. I need to do that. He looks felt though, <laughs> doesn't he, guys? He looks uh, he looks ready to go. I've seen a lot in the media, in the press, in the fans' forums, and a lot of just discussion around people where, and I think James might have alluded to this on, on social at some point, that there's a lot of talk as if we're, we're almost up or we're already up on what it'd be like in the Premier League. And I was trying to think about why that is. And I think it's probably because we've been top of the league since the middle of March and it's now nearly <laughs> the start of June. So do you think it is fair enough to have conversations along those lines? Is it just still hypothetical? Or do you think some people have got into their heads that actually uh, we are going to the promised land? Well, let's start with the facts. It is hypothetical. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I mean, my brain will not allow me to think we're going up yet because we have to see it on paper. We have to see games played, Leeds top of the league, we've won. I want to see Liam Cooper lifting a trophy before I know that it's it's done and dusted. I, I feel almost certain that if the season hadn't been suspended because of the pandemic, that we would have gone on to win promotion quite comfortably because we were on a great one, run of form. Uh, Tyler Roberts had suddenly just appeared from nowhere and was going to shoot us to the promotion. And uh, Meslier was going to cover 
Kiko Casilla with a plum. I thought, you know, it was. I think it was obvious that if we in a parallel universe, we've already gone up. We just need a ship to that parallel universe, really, don't we? Oh, it'd be great. Probably if someone said to you back in the uh, 2004, yeah, it's going to be uh, 2020 when you're back. 2020. To me, when I was younger, it sounded like an episode of the Jetsons or something. You know what I mean? Well, I've, I've probably told this story on the podcast before, but I was outside the Reebok Stadium in 2004 and we'd just been relegated. I was talking to Paul on the phone who was trying to cheer me up and he said, you know, you know, after our post-match, in our post-match pods when he tries to put a positive spin on things, he said to me, uh, well, come on, mate, look on the bright side. This time next year, we could be running around with a trophy <laughs> promoted. And that was the hope in 2004, so... No one expected it. It was going to be 2020 at the earliest. You're right, though. Like, if someone did say that to you, you'd be like, 16 years. Like, at that point as well, it's like nearly half of our, well, it was more than half of our lives. <laughs> 2022 sounds like, uh, not 2022, 2020 also sounds like something with like hoverboards and uh, flying cars and that, doesn't it? Yeah, I still haven't got my uh, self-lacing Nikes yet. And the thing is, we thought that the worst bit of it was that period between 2004 and 2010, because obviously we went down to League One as well. But actually, all through that period, we had something to play for. We were either fighting to get promoted or we were fighting against relegation. It was that period after we got back in the championship that was the real drudgery of following Leeds United, until Gary Monk arrived, probably. It was the GFH... Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Drudgery is a very good word, Matt. That's exactly what it was. Uh, and and if you'd have known that that was going to come, how many people would have stuck with the club? Because you stick with the club because you don't know what's going to happen. So you kind of. But if somebody had told you in two thousand and four, you may as well just give up football for a bit. Come back in twenty twenty. I'm sure a lot of people would have. In fact, some people probably did. All right, here you go then. Would you rather? In them 16 years, I've had the 16 years we've had with stuff to play for, bit of excitement, albeit in the uh, lower echelons of the Football League, or been someone like Everton who've literally done now, really. I think they've had one FA Cup final, maybe got into Europe once or twice, but they've done diddly squat and been quite boring. Signed a brilliant striker though once, didn't they? And ruined him. Jermaine Bedford. I don't think I would have swapped. I'd swap with Everton. No, oh, I wouldn't swap. With, I wouldn't swap with anyone. That's the problem, isn't it? It's like you you'd still team. be Leeds. You'd still be Leeds. I know, but even then, it's like it's just it makes you what you are. Must yeah, it, it, it does make you what you are. I always think like you know, everyone says, "Oh, we want Leeds back in the in the Premiership." You can you can understand why. I I think we're going to get a shock as to how sort of awful it is <laughs> yeah just very I get the feeling it's going to be very plastic isn't it and very I don't know and I think someone coming in raw who still thinks it's 16 years ago I think we'll have a a great spirit to take into that league and, and hopefully we we change it and make people uh, see football for what it is again if you look at a lot of our fan base who now are travelling away a lot of them are kind of early 20s aren't they if not younger, and have never seen anything like the Premier League. They haven't seen all the exciting times we saw in that little trip to uh, Champions League, did they? I don't see 
obviously I'm having to think back a long, long period of time, but I don't see too many differences between going to watch your football in the championship and going to watch your football in the Premier League, other than the coverage of it, i.e. the interest from other random people. And if you're not doing well, the uh, the crowd sizes. But other than that, it's a very similar experience for somebody who's going to the matches. VAR. There seemed to be a much bigger gulf between the championship in League One in terms of like some of the much smaller grounds that you got to basically being pitch side, hearing everything that the players were saying. Um, so I definitely agree with you there. That'll happen soon. They'll hear everything shortly, won't we? When it's all behind closed doors on the telly. Yeah, but we won't be pitch side. That's the problem. I think that's the most disappointing thing about all of this, isn't it? That we're talking about having sat through that 16-year period and now just as it looks like it's going to get good, we're not going to be able to be there to experience it. And I'm trying to look on the bright side and be positive about it. But when you think about that, it's absolutely gutting. And the strangest thing about when you when you say you can hear them, one memory that sticks in my mind, I don't know why, is hearing Michael Jubry's voice. There's a voice that I didn't think fitted the man. I remember <laughs> I remember being at a game and I was like, Oh I right, get back on the ball. And I'm like, well, it sounds like someone's grabbed him by Nads. He's like this massive bloke and he's uh, sounds like a eunuch. Was that a competitive game? Yeah. I'm trying to think of some stories of when I've heard players shouting. We talked about one really early on in the podcast series back in uh, back in pre-season this year when uh, we went to York and Kiko and uh, oh, yeah. Liam Cooper had finally sorted out their uh, their language <laughs> to yes. prevent any sort of issues. I think the thing that's the one that sticks out for me is when uh, Paul and I went to pre-season in 2007 when we'd just been relegated to League One and we were we had this sticky tape over the sponsor because it wasn't our sponsor anymore but we didn't have a new one and we didn't have any new kit and I was just like watching an amateur club if that I've seen better amateur clubs to be honest anybody been watching the Bundesliga to get a feel for what behind closed doors football is like no, but did I read right today that they've been piping in um, audio into the ground? Um, Borussia Dortmund have apparently, yes. Yeah. And not only would, did they pipe in, it wasn't just a matter of they put a tape on and left it. They had like a DJ who was choosing the right sounds at the right moments. Two seconds, who uses tape still? I don't know, you're, you're the guy who works in uh, media, audio visual. I'll tell what you. Do, what do they use these days? Digital, isn't it? Digital what? Tunes and that. Well, I'll take your word for it. You want to hope you don't press the, you know, that job of uh, pressing the right crowd reaction. You want to, don't want to press the wrong one, do you? Like some sort of 90s pop single or like Agadoo or something. Nothing wrong with Agadoo. Nothing wrong with Agadoo, I agree. So last week, um, I mentioned that they said that the ball had been in play a lot more. The fact that I've seen this week is that out of the 22 fixtures... Um, there've only been three home wins, so whilst it's a really small sample, there's a large feeling that that's a, that's a very small proportion of home wins compared to normal, and that the behind closed doors seems to have negated the home advantage. What are your thoughts on that? It doesn't surprise me. You would expect it to negate the home advantage, but the surprising thing is that it appears to have given the away team an advantage. If those stats are right, doesn't it? 
maybe I think a lot of the stronger teams have had more away fixtures early doors. It smells like the media conjuring up something because there's not a lot else going on. It's like the data set's so small, isn't it? It's not like they're talking about through hundreds of games. It's like a handful of games. But in, in our position, would that be an advantage for us? Do we get more from being in front of a crowd of 35,000 at Ellen Road or do we struggle more away at Cardiff? I wouldn't fancy being a Leeds player without the Leeds crowd because they're going to hear Bielsa blasting at them uh, full pelt. I guess the crowd noise has uh, probably stopped them being as scared before. We're going to get way more. Very good, Davis. So is he in the team, is he? I haven't seen the official lineup, but you know, more examples along those lines. You know what he means, Andy. He did. I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, some touchline chants from the bench. It should be good. Very good, Big Kev. Very good. <laughs> but this is uh, clubs have got a little bit of a window now to work out how to give themselves an advantage at home without a crowd. So things like piping in the music that Dortmund are doing and having the cardboard cutouts that we talked about last week with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. What, have you got any good ideas of what else we could do to give ourselves a bit of advantage at home without the fans? Yeah, like, because um, I've been watching that Last Dance documentary on Netflix. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Really good, really good. But I forgot about the whole thing in basketball, you know, when someone's on the attack and they've got that music pumping in that's like, do, do, defense, do. maybe we should just have some, like, like that time we had in the ground or like every home game, we have that white noise that just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very unfortunate when their team are in front of goal are we allowed to do that though do you think I don't know accidents happen though don't they I think Victor Orta needs to go out and put a message out you know like he did it on Derby last year where he went out and put a piece of paper on every single seat to spell something big what should we spell I'm trying to come up with something polite and struggling one thing I've seen people talk about is referees that the theory that referees come to Leeds and feel like they need to give certain decisions to show that they can stand up to a big, noisy crowd. If that's true, that should negate that. I don't trust that um, a referee can make a right decision, to be honest, at this level. Yeah, I, I do think a lot of their bad decisions are out of comp- incompetence rather than uh, malice. That has to be that has to be said. Is it tr- also true that they're going to increase the number of substitutes on the bench? and the number of substitutes that you can make. But you can only make substitutions at a certain time during the game. I saw that they were they had introduced that you could adopt it to be five substitutes. Yeah, I don't know whether or not that's been uh, fully passed so that it could be uh, used in the, the English game. Because the more substitutes we have, the bigger the crowd, basically. We just need to get the subs into some sort of training on Leeds chance. And then uh, they've just got to they've just got to chant really really loudly. It's a good idea, actually. I like that. We could have them on the podcast. We can train them up on is all it, of the different chants. It's a shame uh, Meslier will be starting because he's one from the bench to uh, yeah. shout quite loudly, isn't he? Need to need to ask Bryn as well whether they whether the commentators are going to be in the ground or whether they're going to be watching it on a TV feed. Shall I ask him on Twitter now, and then let's see what he says, and we'll see if he comes back to us by the time we finish this. I guess he won't know yet, but yeah, let's do it. And um, because if Noel Whelan's in the ground, I reckon he can uh, he can get some decibels up. 
they would definitely hear him shouting, Get in! Yeah, and that's got to be an advantage. Who wouldn't want to hear that? One person who's used to playing at uh, big stadiums with big crowds is Stevie Ward. We were lucky to catch up with the Leeds Rhinos captain. He's also another person who only just remembers the last time we were in the Premier League. He is indeed, yeah. Uh, and that's how he fell in love with the club. Right, Stevie, thanks for joining us, mate. Um, strange no, times at the minute. How are you getting on? What's going on? Yeah, strange times, mate. Um, I'm getting on all right. I'm getting on all right. Just, I think, bedding into what has been a sort of new lifestyle for everyone. Um I've been, it's been a weird scenario for me, even weirder than, than most people. I've had, um, I've had post-concussion syndrome. Um, I banged my head, I banged my head uh, too many times in quick succession and it's been um, a bit of a, a nightmare with, with the concussion. I've been having migraines and stuff like that. So this is, in a way, a blessing in disguise. You know, I know that the, the salaries have been cut and stuff like that, but... Um, Health is wealth, as they say. So I've been, I've been sort of just chilling out and and doing all the things that I need to be doing uh, to get back right and and doing doing some other stuff. Um, you know, doing a bit of acting here and there, um, like radio plays type things, and and doing some uh, podcasts. Um, yeah, it's been it's been all right, mate. I've you know I've I'm 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 lucky. I've got a garden and stuff, and um, my sister's down working in. In, in London in, in Kingston uh, Hospital and she's on my front line so very different lives I, I count myself very fortunate that um, I've, I've, I've got an alright set up here to 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 slob around um, for the lockdown <laughs> lockdown <laughs> while my sister's working very hard yeah it must be really strange for you because obviously you've been there have been talk obviously amongst Ryan have said oh Steve Ward's going to be a captain for years to come and you finally get it and then this happens. It's yeah. it's with the leads that moment, as we call our podcast leads. That's like a Stevie that moment, isn't it? Yeah, that, it, it continues in the same vein as, as what I've been used to. My career has not been on the uh, the the usual sort of trajectory that you imagine when you're a young kid. There's been twists and turns, and and if this is a twist and turn, mate, it's one of the biggest ones that we've had. And um, you know, it's you know, we were playing so well doing so well as we, as we got into this stage and it's sort of for come up, come to us at the wrong time if this, this had, uh, would have happened last year I think we'd have been a bit more grateful for it and not not everyone knows but your sister's a twin isn't she yes she's a twin yeah yeah two minutes older than me wiser she she's smarter she's definitely smarter um, I think you get wise from going through I mean, she's gone through some tough stuff. She's trained to be a doctor and stuff like that, but I've had many times in my career dreams and wishes and hopes just cut short and, and, and like we were saying before, the twists and turns. I think I might be wiser than her, but she's smarter and, and more intelligent than me. The two minutes makes a difference, I think. And how's she getting on? How are you, how are you getting on with her doing this? <sighs> My mum was dead worried, mate. She, because she's had it. My sister had it really early on. She's been like on the wards and stuff like that. Um, so she, my mum's been dead worried about her. Um, and I think you know, after the, the the months have gone, you know, everyone's a bit more used to her being in that situation, and she seems okay. Um, but yeah, mate. Yeah, I I sort of check in with her all the time. Just spoke to her a bit earlier. She's sort of like finishing her foundation training so she's 
around mid-August time, you know, that's when she's finished her time on the wards, you know, being a junior doctor and stuff, and then she needs her next stage, and she's thinking about what her next stage to go is, and as as being a doctor. So, you know, if there's any any time that's unclear, then it's it's now. But you know, I, I fully back her to pick what she wants to do, and I said she, I will put her up if she wants to come back and, and work up north for a bit. You mentioned the uh, the acting thing then. When we spoke to Jonesy, he was telling us about his acting. Is it? Did he uh, give you a helping hand? Jonesy, yes, he um, he's the he's on the board for Red Ladder. So Jonesy has set the bar really high, mate. He's been in two productions. He's been in one production where the full team, full staff, went to watch him, and it were in Leeds, lads. It were called, and in this production, he acted. But he also sang um, at the top of his voice, <laughs> um, and that's a pretty high bar to set as a uh, rugby player doing that on stage. And to do it in front of all your mates, that's a pretty high bar. So I'm striving, mate, to get to where um, Jonesy gets. I never want the full team to come and see me, but um, yeah, I'm just doing it on. I'm just doing it on. At the minute, the production sort of like just a duologue, and there's seven, eight minute episodes, and there's a bit of banter and, and comedy in there. Um, but they're sort of a bit more, um, sort of like two lads messing about, and, and uh, Jones has obviously set the bar really high. I uh, aim to get somewhere near that, but hopefully, all boys don't, like I say, come and watch me. And where do we go well, if we want to hear them, Stevie? Um, they're on. They're on the Mentality podcast. We're put, we're hosting it. We're hosting that gig. Um, we've got it on the Red Ladder podcast as well, so you can listen to it on there. I think there's about eight episodes out now, and as I said, there's about eight, um, seven, eight minutes long, um, and they're a good laugh. It's it's quite well, yeah. It's de- definitely very relevant to these times. It's, it's basically I play a 26 year old Sparky, and. Um, uh, I've had a bit of experience being a Sparky mate. I'll, uh, <laughs> I, um, I don't know whether Chris picked this specific, but right at the start of lockdown, I thought, right, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get me sent, um I'm going to get my garden sorted for. I'm going to get garden sorted. We need to sort it for ages. It's about time. My lawnmower is not working in garage, so I went over the road and um, seen my neighbour. He's a really nice fellow, really chilled out fella. And I went over there and I just thought, right. Rob, you mind borrowing that lawnmower, would you? He says, yeah, it's only an old one. It's a fly mower. It's one of them kill ones. I said, oh, sound. I said, um, I'll take it. I'll take it over. Um, I'll use that, mate. I'll, I'll bring it back in a few days. I'll do it front lawn and stuff. It's a sound. And I said, I hope I don't bloody break it, though. Mine's not working in garage. <laughs> so I do the full front garden and I do the full back garden. And you know what it is. You know what it's like, them, them, them fly mowers, them sort of easy gliders. I'm conscious of this wire all the time, like, you know, wires tucking it behind me and stuff. Anyway, the end, right at the end, I'm just doing this last patch of grass and I swing it around and it goes straight over the cable. And I just go, <laughs> no, I've done it. I've actually broke, I've just said to the fella, I'm not going to break it. I'll get back to it. You're one piece. And I've gone straight over, over the cable. The cable snapped and I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? So anyway, the reason I'm saying this is, is I've had a bit of a context or a bit of experience of being a Sparky. I ordered, I ordered a cable off Amazon and I ended up fixing it. I can't believe it. Um, fixed a, a, a lawnmower. Oh, so mine's my, yeah, I tried fixing mine. I don't know what's wrong with that. <laughs> Brand new, that one as well. Must have done so much to it that I can't do. 
I, even I can't fix that. Um, so I took it back to him and said, oh, I've got a new cable on there for you, our kid. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> doing him a favour. So I've obviously learned to, to be a Sparky. Um, my mates throw me in this play as a 26-year-old Sparky. I've... Um, I've, 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 I've sort of, I'm sort of like this young um, lad who wants to learn a bit more about the world, and I'm, I'm um, doing it with this plasterer who's actually plays a plasterer in the in the thing. He's forty odd year old, and he, he he likes to think he can teach me a bit about the world. And it's said that we meet every Wednesday on a pub in a in a pub, but we, um, yeah, we, we we meet every Wednesday in a pub, but then. It's set pre-coronavirus. You know, when you heard whispers about it at the start, like February time, but then it transitions that we meet up on Zoom every Wednesday. So it's sort of written, being written as we go. Um, And the last, I think the last three or four have been pretty funny. Um, And I'm getting more and more into it now. I'm I'm relaxing more and more into it. I'm enjoying it. So obviously with with what went on uh, prior to lockdown, you weren't able to train too much it's been well documented Leeds United players who had sent training gear and strict regimes from Bielsa and the team mm. what's it been like for the lads has everyone sorted you out looked after you yeah well we've had some weight sent around um, we've had I think every sort of player's got different variation of weights whether they do that in the front room with the cats in the way or whether they do it in the garage or in the garden that's up to us I think um, but yeah every, everyone's sort of got a basic routine and basic sort of schedule to train um, ideas for different types of weights ideas for different times of uh, types of um, con and um, yeah everyone's getting on with it I think everyone's sort of veering and, and hoping for this time to come soon where we're training back at training and it's still going to be in a different way it's going to be in a different manner it's not going to be as it as it was it might be less tackling and less bashing each other up which might be a, a positive but there's going to be it's going to be it's going to be strange but, and there might be a lot more conditioning which actually is probably a downside but it's uh, strange times mate strange times and we've done I think the club have done what we can to make sure that we you know get everything right and, and hopefully you know some of the boys are too out of shape when they come back because there's whispers of first of August, isn't there? Or well, start of August. Mm. It's it's different to football, obviously, because there's a lot more contact, and you can get mm. obviously tackled by loads of guys. So, yeah. how do you see it working? It's strange, mate. It's like like you say. I think rugby's obviously been told or been said to be the one that's um, coming out or will resume a bit later than everything else because it's a contact sport, and mate, you know when you play rugby like you've got other people's blood in your eye you've got you know people sweating your mouth and all this sort of stuff and you're rolling around and it's like you, no one knows what's going on um, it's that sort of like full frontal contact but it's uh, yeah it's it's one of them where I think they've got to put the right measures in place it's a different different beast to football like you say um so yeah the, you know those dates have been thrown around there's, I think there's a few different options for how the season will look and, and how many games will be fitting um, but it's still there's, there's still that air of uncertainty isn't there where you know people you know I'm not sure when the football is actually getting back up but these people are being tested positive and 
Um, I think it was Watford, wasn't it? A few Watford players, and he just like a few Hull players as well. These, these teams are threatened by relegation, Stevie. I can't get oh, <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think any Leeds United players actually. I don't know. Maybe we should just just get them boys playing. Who are they going to play? That's what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a round robin. <laughs> maybe it's the top two round robin uh, it's funny man it's funny but who knows it's just like such a weird and and everyone's got priorities to, to get it back up and, and get it back started and everyone wants to see something happen and it's um, yeah we're in a sort of a, a, a strange period where everyone wants to see some form of certainty I think Tell us a bit about you and you, you've grown up in, in Leeds. Did you grow up as a Leeds United supporter? I did, mate. I did. Um, you know, the, the sort of vivid memories for me um, and the days growing up as a Leeds United supporter, the Strongbow days, I think, really. Um, the early 2000s, um, you know, Alan Smith, Viduka, and, and all that. And, um, yeah, the. <laughs> You know, I think being a Leeds United fans, good preparation for life. I, I don't know. I don't know what you think. Uh, the ups and downs and um, the dark holes that you can find yourself in at times. Um, the, the the community that you make with with other fans and other supporters, other people that are there for the same cause. Um, and and you know what could be something pretty special that we don't know how it's going to look at the back end of this year um, yeah it's, it's Leeds United is um, certainly a testing a test of life uh, but mate yeah I'm, I'm obviously a Leeds United fan and quite a lot of nostalgia thinking back to those days certainly and we, was it always going to be rugby league for you was that your passion and what you wanted to do or did you uh, fancy being a footballer um, I did fancy playing a football actually to be fair it came to I think it was 12 years old uh, might have been just before 12, 11 where I decided to go fully into rugby because I played I used to play football it's when rugby league was played on a Saturday I used to play on Sundays football what, what a life it is when you're a young kid um, <laughs> imagine doing that now there's no chance um I can't even watch at fridge anymore, but they play <laughs> two sports one after the other. Yeah. So football on a Sunday was um was fun, mate. Bit of a attacking centre midfielder, sometimes a striker. Um they were good fun, mate. They were good fun. Used to score some screamers. Um, I think I ended up scoring screamers because keepers couldn't fill out the goals too much. So I just used to have a have a, have a dig from fifty yards out. But yeah, mate, I've um I made the decision on pure enjoyment of, of the involvement that you get from playing rugby league and you know the non-stop nature of it um, didn't think about money too much back then when I was a kid <laughs> <laughs> Who were your favourite player growing up? Who did you used to pretend to be when you were this attacking midfielder? Uh, do you know what? It's a weird one um, I always sort of looked at like because I were a bigger lad, I always looked at Gerard and Lampard, and I know that obviously they didn't play for Leeds, but obviously when you watch the England games and and and, and you sort of looked at that, there were there were David Batty that I used to like enjoy watching, um, yeah, and I suppose for Harry Kuehl, Harry Kuehl, I, I used to play a bit wider, but 
And I know that he's, he's sort of a bit of a um, controversial figure now. <laughs> yeah, but when you look back, when you spend like this time at Melbourne, like it's a, it's a dirty word now, and some of the things he's done are unforgivable. Yeah. But, he was bloody good at Leeds. Oh, mate, he was good, wasn't he? And then uh, you try to cut off everything, obviously, that happened, but you think back to some of the stuff and, you know, some of the goals he scored and what a team we had. It's like, it sees like the power of nostalgia in it. You can think back and look at that team and, and you know, there were some of them that were involved in the, the sort of downward spiral, if you like, but... Yeah, like uh, Harry Kuehl and um, obviously you know, knocking them free kicks in back in there. Um, that's where, you know, that's when, you know, aligned with me playing, uh, probably I was playing just a bit after all those sort of memories, but, you know, that's where it sort of lies for me. And um, there's obviously different instalments of it, different instalments where I look back, you know, with the likes of Becky Hill and Beckford and, you know, different Brian Dean and his second uh Second spell, Leeds United uh, is a legend. We did a podcast for Dino, actually. Um, that was quite a good podcast, Mentality One. Quite good. Talking about football and the old school nature of football. Have you played at Ellen Road? Yes, I have. Yeah, I had to go back then. In the memory bank, I did do played against... Was it a cast game? Cast, OKR. I don't think I played that cast one. I played OKR in 2018. It was the week before we went to play World Cup Challenge against Melbourne. So we played against OKR. I think it was Friday night, Thursday, Friday night. And then we went over straight over to Manchester Airport, stayed in a hotel there, got about two hours of sleep because you always get about two hours of sleep after a game. And then flew straight over to Melbourne and got spanked by them the next week. <laughs> now Stevie one thing that you have got on Matt that Matt's going to lose his mind for here because Matt's not uh, really a rugby league fan he doesn't know too much about the Rhinos but one thing he does know a lot about is a little programme you acted in when you were in Australia oh, yeah he'll know all about that mate he'll know all about that see I'm it's so, I'm a bit of a globetrotter in the acting sense <laughs> I think they made. I think they made that game happen around the acting. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what happened. Um, Stevie Ward on Neighbours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to get the viewers back on. Um, it was mad. It was mad. It was funny because we, um, yeah, we spent a bit of time. I think it might have been the week before we flew out. Yeah, it was the week before we trained at Ellen Road, and I remember Phil Daly, who's our media guy, and he said, "Oh, lads." Um, I've, uh, I might have swung some here. I'm like, what are you on about? He says, oh, I think we've uh, managed to get a few of your neighbours. And it was me, Holly and Callum, like, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll go on that. He's <laughs> like, he's like, well, we just messaged him to see if we could go look at the set. And um, they've actually ended up rewriting a scene to fit three of you in. So I'm like, yes, we'll do it. He said, one of us got a line. And all and all they were like, I've got it. I'll do that. I'll do that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like all he's got it, and he's he's, he's really stubborn. All he's like, he'll, he'll, you know, if he's got that, like, he'll never let it go. I'm saying to all, man, I, I proper love acting. I like doing it. It makes me right, you know. I want to try do it when after I finish playing and that. And you, can I can I do it? He's like, no, no way. Um, anyway, so we so we transition over to the other side of the world. We go to the to the set. We go have a look around, and they go, right, lads, we we're ready for you to go on. Um, and we go to this this set it's all all looks like you'd imagine cameras swiveling around these podiums and things going off um, extras 
all relying on us to be good on the scene because they're in the background and stuff. And we had to do this really funny thing. We had to we had to mime, and I don't know if you ever notice it, but you know when you're in the background of shot, the user camera that's like above your head to get like. So we were like in the back shot of of two main actors. They have a camera above your head, so obviously for us to be in the background talking but the mic to pick up the, 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 the stuff that they need to, we need to show up and not say help, but we need to act like we can't talk it. So there's me, Ollie and Cal talking to each other, like, but miming, do you know, like just like miming to each other and not saying it. it's the most awkward thing ever. And like, we're trying to do Ricky Gervais office quotes and stuff and see if we can get it in because that's the only thing we could do when we're pointing at beers, we're at the stood at a bar, pointing at drinks and act, act, like acting as if we want to have them drinks. So that was really awkward, but it came time for our line and obviously the line for Holy. And all these like, you know, I just noticed this like trickle of sweat come down all his forehead and he's like, he's looking around and he's like, you know, the, the, the main guy's coming over to us and he's going, everything all right? Yeah, you're all right? He's like, yeah, he's like rubbing the sweat across. He's, he's looking a bit frantic. <laughs> and uh, all he just goes, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, do you want? Do you want to do the line to me? I'm like, yes, yes, Ollie, yes, I will do. Um, so I, I jumped on it. I jumped on the line and I got it and I delivered it a bit too theatrically. But um, what I was the line? Can you what was the line? Can you remember? Oh, yeah. Well, I got a few lines in. I got. I ended up getting a few lines in because I say with that Michael there, I just kept saying stuff before the camera went off. But the line was. Um, Paul Robinson, the barman who comes out, you might know him, uh, Matt, but um, Paul Robinson, he comes out the barman and he's like, oh, the rhinos, <laughs> oh, the rhinos, boys. Yeah, I've heard you playing. Um, good, to, good to have you here. I've always envisioned myself being a, a sponsor. What do you reckon? My name on the back of a, a rhino shirt, Paul Robinson. Yeah, I think it sounds pretty good. I, I might go for that. And I just go, what, really? And he goes, no, I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> just like rips me, takes a mick out of the way, like, oh, right, flipping egg, sorry. They're drinking lime and soda. Um, and um, yeah, so obviously when I, when I deliver the line, you know, confetti's going off, everyone's saying that's amazing, you know, it's such a good line that you've delivered there, mate. How, how did you get so good at acting? All that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that's how it went. And, you know, I've, I've been sort of just sort of like um, palming off the offers that have come through recently for, for acting. <laughs> Say, I'm playing rugby, just leave me alone. <laughs> so how does the uh, Neighbours gig rank in your career highlights then? Um, the Neighbours gig, that rank, yeah. Um, better than the game? Better than the I'll, I'll talk about that more than the game because we got beat heavily in the end. Um, yeah, but... Yeah, it's uh, it was some day that it was like on a day off, so we just like rocked up, went over there, and it was it was good fun. It was good fun. What about actual career highlights then? Actual career highlights—that's a good one. Because um, you're a bit like, uh, I suppose, if you look at if you cut over to a footballing term, you, you seem like you've been around for ages. You're only 26, aren't you? Yeah, I'm only 26. You've been successful since 18 because yeah. you do your A-levels you got your first grand final, weren't you? Yeah, I had like a, a really sort of um, instant 
I guess graduation to, to first team and, and big games. I, I did my A-levels in the summer of 2012 um, and I played some first game, team games already while I was studying A-levels at Woodkirk High um, or Woodkirk Academy. Um, and then I ended up playing at Wembley about three weeks after the Challenge Cup final at Standoff um, after just getting my A-level results. We lost that game, unfortunately. We second half, you know, I thought we were going to win it, but second half ran away from us after Kylie smashed Brett Hodgson's head off. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but he returned in point anyway. Uh, we lost that. And then, yeah, a few weeks after that, sort of started playing again and we had that amazing playoff run to win it from fifth. Won it, won it from fifth. Yeah, I came off the bench and, and won a grand final at 18. So it was sort of, that was like a mega year. 18 years old, he started still dreaming it and I were living it at that point. Uh, probably 2015 Challenge Cup final two was a big one um, to win, to actually win there at Wembley. And then 2017, uh, that was pretty mega. That was pretty mega. Uh, I'd dislocated my shoulder the week before, about six days before. Um, and I was in a hospital for 12 hours before they could put my shoulder back in after that semi. We'd gone through to the final. I thought we were going to miss the grand final. And I was absolutely at the bottom of the barrel, gutted. Uh, but learned, learned quite a bit about myself in that week. So I ended up playing that week after we beat Cass in the grand final and played 80 minutes and made the most tackles in game. So I'm just like... You know that for me in 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 a in a week's the span of a week, you know, all that to going on that was sort of like the highlight because it was just sort of like it felt like magic, the closest thing to magic as as being an athlete to, to me. Can you looking back like top up and remember all the injuries down the years? Um, yeah, Cause from, from the outside looking in, it, it's absolutely brutal. And it's obviously, you've already said, it's a big contact sport. It's going to take its toll on the body. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, it definitely is going to take its toll, mate. I've had quite a few injuries. I've had 10, 10 ops, maybe, 10 or 11 ops. Um, is that standard? Is it, Do anybody, like, are there any players that get away with it? Do, do they get, yeah. get lucky? Is it? There's a few, mate. There's quite a few that get away with it. There's a few that just have one operation, maybe one or two. Some, you know, don't really have many at all. Um, there's some that find themselves being a, a bit unlucky uh, in that aspect. But lucky, I, I, I um, ascertain in other aspects, I'm probably lucky. Um, you just got to do your best from it, learn about what you can from it, and. Um, do what you can you know there's been there's been times where I've not been able to play rugby so you know if I if I hadn't been injured that many times and had that many operations would I be doing mentality and, and would I be um, doing show stopping performances on neighbours I'm not sure um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 definitely one to think about but yeah I've I've had some some tough tough situations tough injuries to deal with um, and it does, it does, it takes, it takes, it does take its toll on you. Um, 
So was it during one of these times that, or, or a period of these times that it led you to setting up Mentality? Can you tell us a bit, a bit more about that? Yeah, it was, it was 2016. So I'd had, a, I'd had an injury 2014 um, and I was sort of back playing after the injury, but I wasn't playing to, to my potential or to what I knew I could play like. Um and and it's sort of like it, it hurt me a bit because like, as I say, like eighteen years old, I'd already appeared in two finals, won one of them. Um and everything I knew myself to be as a rugby player um was slightly or it was sort of taken away. Um and I struggled with that. I, I wasn't really living to my values for, for, for how clear I am on them now. And um that was a sort of backdrop for Another big injury that I'd incur in the league leaders game, in that game where Ryan Hall's um, screaming down the touchline, scoring in the last second uh, to clinch the league leader shield. I was in the change rooms looking at what looked like to be an inflatable knee um, after doing my ACL and every other ligament around it and cartilage around it. Um, so like, that was such a vivid moment and such a, a crazy time. Um you know, to, to like, I had that injury and, and I, I can remember us winning the league leaders, but I'd just done my knee and when I missed the grand final, I didn't know how to act. I didn't know, I thought, am I happy because we've won league leaders and, you know, we're on the way to doing a treble? Yeah, but I'm going to have a big injury here, something that's going to take me back to a place where I was in 2014. Um, and just to go deep on you here, I, uh, I, uh, I was at my nana's funeral that that morning, the morning of that game, and I was completely washed out going to over to that game. We'd just come back from from winning at Wembley, um, and all the lads were out out on the feet, um, and I'd gone and um, been at my nana's funeral, um, and I remember we'd got back to her flat, and um, she had like a, a wake. Uh, a tiny little flat in Salford and me and my twin sister would washed all of her artwork across the floor and um, what she decided to do she decided to do a fine art degree about 65 years old which is pretty mega but she decided to take something back for herself and um, you know she's been a great grandmother and mother all of her life and she decided to take something back for herself and, and do something artistic and, and um, use that as an avenue of self-expression and all that Um but she ended up learning so much about herself. There's so many messages in that stuff. And one of them, which I would need later that day when I'm looking at this inflatable knee, turned out to be um, don't vegetate, cultivate. Um, and I'm flipping thinking, well, you know, I did enough vegetating 2014 and I sat there looking at my knee. I thought I need to cultivate, cultivate from this and I need to do something different from here for this. Um, so that's why, you know, fast forward six months after that, I decided to put mentality out there and, and sort of talk a little bit about my mental health, you know, what I felt as an athlete considered to be at the top um, and what it can be like really uh, changing people's perceptions and decided to, to put that out there and, and, and really sort of colour it if you like and, and, and make sure that mental health was spoken about in and around rugby league and, um, and, and not have it so purple elephant you know everyone knows it's there and, and no one really talks about it especially in rugby league but I wanted to change that and you know I think would you know you'd probably agree that we're in a different spot now compared to when we were um, even you know three four years ago never mind 10-15 years ago so yeah it was um, 
a, a, a pivotal moment, I guess, a life-defining moment when I decided to put a out there and I've learned so much about myself, my mental health, but also helping other people, I imagine, and hope. And we've talked a bit about your uh, achievements in rugby league, Stephen, a bit of about your achievements in acting with Neighbours as the pinnacle. But in terms of mentality and what that's achieved over the four years or so that it's been up and running, what, what are the big milestones, the big achievements that that's brought about? Yeah, mentality. Um, back in the early days, I used to write and uh, used to sort of interview people, interviewed people like Paul Wood and Jamie Peacock and used to write the articles out. Because um, obviously one of the A-levels I did was English language and literature um, back in the day. So I, I thought I'd have a knack at that. So I quite enjoyed that in the early, start, uh, early, early stages. Then we've sort of moved to podcasts. We've got quite a range of podcasts out there with different people. We just released one with Steve McRae, who's a, a principal dancer at the Royal Ballet, so a ballet dancer down there, one of the top top athletes, top top performers, top uh, artists out there. Um, and the day before that, I'd done Jamie Peacock, and I've done people like Wim Hof, and you know those have have, have been massive conversations. Um, we've released an apparel um, and we've, you know, we've put the, some of those sort of artwork designs that I mentioned before. We've put those on T-shirts, we've put them out there and, and you know, that's been mega. We've done education. Um, as Andy will know, we've, we've gone into schools and we've done bits on values and resilience in there and, and instilled some messages that I wish was was brought up on me at that age so it's been been pretty mega it's been it's been a uh, mega journey and we've now um and it's it's coming on to it even more we, we're putting programs out there for people to to look at and to do themselves and if they find themselves like they wanted to cultivate some more resilience if they find themselves where they wanted to do a bit more reflection and um, understanding what's going to bring a fulfilled life then they can they can have a look at that and we're currently in the midst or the middle of a challenge that we've put out there and it's going to turn into a programme and um, yeah th- those are sort of the highlights and the the quick quick um, whistle stop tour of, of mentality if, if you like and that's that's what's going on and that's what the landmarks have been too Do you think uh, attitudes towards mental health in 2020 has come a long way from from when you felt like not the need but the desire to, to set this up um, or do you still think there's an awful long way to go? Man, I think that, I think it's sort of little pockets in it I think pockets of it will, will have got better um, you know certainly the people that, that I come into contact with and I think they'll probably be aware that I talk about it a lot and you know they feel a bit more comfortable maybe and, and they feel like it's, it's it's more easy to address uh, but I think generally as well it's, it's got better you know a lot of people talk about it a lot of people feel like it's easy to talk about um, it's just the ones you need to reach the ones where they think it's it's the the, the the, the, you know a part of the problem is that, that that people suffering with it feel like they're different and feel like they're um not part of what everyone's talking about but they're they're quite you know they're quite hard to get to but you know that they are the people which and why for we're, we're talking about it why we're making more awareness of it and why we want to to, to further it but mate I think we have come a massive way I think uh, that we, we we can get even further and, and you know one day it's going to be something which we think 
why was it so sort of um, hidden? Why was it so taboo? Taboo. That's it. That's it. Taboo. Um, and one day we will get there, pal. I think we will get there one day, and it'll be a, a good day too. When you were coming through, when you broke into the Rhinos team, you you were playing with and trading with some absolute idols of yours, weren't you? Some legends you'd looked up to. Yeah. Was that Rhino shirt really heavy to wear when you first started or was it just a case of exciting exuberance? Um, and do you reckon that resonates to some players who've worn the Leeds United shirt over the years? It, obviously, I came up um, with so many idols, mate. I remember my first training session with first team and I'm warming up and there's people like Jamie Peacock, Keith Senior, Sinfield, um, Danny Maguire, Rob Burrow and I'm looking around and like you starstruck left right, left and right and 16 years old I think the first one. Um, but you know there's, there's, there's certain amounts that, that pressure can, can, can do and you know, when you when you're young and when you're an athlete, it's it's sort of something that, that just comes comes with it. You know, it's not something which um, is is detrimental. I don't think. I think if anything, it's it's, it's rewarding. And um, as I say, I think the challenge came for me when I when I couldn't do it and when I couldn't um, be that player and, and tick all the boxes for my values. That's that's sort of when it happened. And, um, you know, like you say, you mentioned Leeds United. You know the there's such a desire um, and for me mate, every time I get the field you know I never and it's probably it's probably a downfall of me sometimes I never want to let my teammates down or let 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 the community let Leeds down when I go out and, and um, turn to the field and um, I, I've got the ability to just switch switch that on when I go onto the field and, and make sure that I leave everything out there it's uh Quite a, it's quite a special opportunity and quite um, quite a nice opportunity to do that, Paul. Especially for being a being a Leeds lad. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that I think people should be more aware of and 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 sort of care for. And I think that things are being put in place across across sport. You mentioned and you asked if if players take to it. You know, there's a welfare manager who's, who's a qualified counsellor that's knocking about all the time. Players will go speak to him in front of other lads and. It's a well-known fact that lads talk about it now, especially our club, which is, is is quite amazing. And how do you think the football season's going to end? Are Leeds going to win it outright on the pitch? Is it going to go points per game? How do you think it's going to end up? What, what do you want to happen? Oh, mate. I don't know. I don't know. It's an hard one, isn't it? I think... I, I, do we know how it's going to end? Like, the structure-wise, what's the best... What's the right idea with, that we've got at the minute for how... It takes place. You're going to be do it, be done at a certain um, couple of stadiums, or do you know? Like, can you give a bit more info on that? I think at the moment they're saying that they're going to try and play it behind closed doors, but at everybody's normal stadium, so you right, play okay. home and away as usual. Yeah, I think we'll go. I think we're going to go up for sure. Um, as long as we're in top two, mate, I'm happy with that. Is that a bit of a cop out? No, it's really interesting. Uh, we had Hayden Evans on the other week. He's yeah. a, a mad, mad Leeds fan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he just said, you know what? I hope we go up points per game just to piss everybody off. <laughs> yeah. And that just kind of, if that does happen, that just put a smile on all our faces thinking, do you know what? 
Everyone hates anyway. I know, mate. I know, I mate. Know, I don't like Leeds, Stevie, because everyone hates Leeds Rhinos out there. I don't know. I don't know. It's like in rugby league, you can say it's because it's like it's the big city club. Do you know? Like it's uh, there's not many teams that have that sort of big city status and. Um, no, it's in, in rugby league, especially it's really sort of uh, tribal in it, um, and it works like that. Leeds United, I don't know why. I honestly, I don't know why everyone seems to be Leeds. They all say it. They all sing it. It's. Um, I don't know. I, I always feel like, and obviously I'm biased, but Leeds fans are always seem to be the loudest and always most passionate and stuff like that. And, I think because of that, other teams, other teams' fans love to see us suffer a little bit. Um, but, you know, hopefully that tide's turning, mate. Well, they've seen us suffer a lot they <laughs> have, over the last they have. 16 years. Surely they're bored of it. Surely they're bored <laughs> of it now. Everyone, we're bored of it. <laughs> So we think, uh, Stevie, that it's going to return, football's going to return behind closed doors. Imagine that when Rugby League does, it'll be the same sort of deal because we're not going to be able to have crowds of fans. How does it make you feel about playing in front of nobody? How's that going to be different? Yeah, um, mate, it'll feel a bit like training. You'll have to remind yourself sometimes that you're in a full game, but it's weird, but obviously when you're used to full crowds and a lot of noise, you don't hear other players talking and shouting and calling and stuff, but you know when there's no fans there, you hear it and it's it, it sort of reminds you a bit of training. You know, like the moves they're being putting on, and you know what player they're trying to get to, and yeah, yeah, it's makes you sort sort of think, second think and stuff. And um, but then again, when you're in the moment, you're in the moment. It's um, but I think, you know, Leeds players certainly will, will miss it where you used to play in front of 20,000, um, which has a, a massive effect. So, you know, we'll, we'll miss the big crowds and, you know, I think the fans are going to miss it too. Um, I think we're all hoping for and hoping and praying that it's it's not too long when we, when we get that back. There's a uh, joke going around that Arsenal will be at an advantage because they'll uh, they're constantly playing in front of silence anyway. What's the uh, rugby, what's the rugby league version of that joke? Who would that be? Um, I'd say I was going to say Salford, but they, they've had quite good fans as of late. Um, Salford Salford uh, players have. Um, yeah, Salford or Huddersfield get the flak, mate, for sure. Huddersfield. <laughs> Not Toronto. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Toronto, Toronto get good fans when they're at home, but obviously they don't bring anyone when they're away, which is obviously half a season, so that's 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 a bit annoying. It's a proper lead to that moment, I suppose, isn't it, that Headley Stadium's done up and is absolutely incredible. Uh, it's top, top class. Matt, even as a kind of someone not into rugby I think he'd love the experience of visiting Headley at the moment yeah and now taken away from us because of a bloody pandemic about two, where, how many games did we have at home two games um, two or three maybe and you know obviously just starting winning just starting getting the crowd going just starting to get the the fans in um, 
looking spick and span all the lights going off at half time light shows on before the game and then it's gone mate like a flash just a reminder in it to to not get ahead of ourselves I guess and what does the future look like for you Stevie what, what are your aspirations for the rest of your career and for mentality and, and acting I suppose <laughs> yeah uh, there's a lot in there isn't there um, busy bloke aren't you Busy bloke, busy bloke, mate. Lockdown makes me busy. <laughs> um, yeah, mate. Just, just want to crack on. Um, I want to win some more trophies. Um, I want to progress with mentality and make sure that the avenue is still open for men um, to to feel like there's an alternative platform out there to to get to get better and improve himself. With, with the mental health first point of address um, you know and I want to keep keep pushing that you know the, the meaning of coming back from from tough times um, coming back from um, like you say these tough injuries still showing that I can do it still showing that there's uh, there's something to go at and, and, and I feel like that that sort of you can you can push that through both you know mentality push that through 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 rugby league and, and keep doing that and um, maybe maybe a Hollywood film in ten fifteen years mate who knows <laughs> <laughs> who knows so we've got to ask this question if you were given a choice between I don't know what's the what's the one we talked about with Jonesy didn't we say he had to have 10, 10 league titles or something but you know. Hello. All, all, all the honours you could have in rugby league, a uh, best actor Oscar or a Champions Oof. League Leeds United captain, which one would you pick? You know what I'd do? I want, um, Champions League sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> Champions League. It's definitely the right answer on this podcast. Uh, Champions League sounds good. Do I, I tell you what? I win Champions League as Leeds United captain, and then have a film made about that, and be the uh, the starring the starring role in that. That'd be sweet. That'd be all right. Been off all Rhino stuff. Well, Rhinos will do that. Go back to that after. I'd be like Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> be like Michael Jordan. I'll do Michael Jordan. Go play for Leeds United for a year shoot the film in off-season and then come back to Rhinos. Do I do a film with Bugs Bunny? <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. Bugs Bunny in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think people, people would pay good money, wouldn't they, to see the uh, rugby league equivalent of Space Jam? Yeah, I think they would, yeah. It'd be a, it'd be a strange version, a strange equivalent of Space Jam, I think, mate. It would be, um, that would be, that would be a little bit Looney Tunes for sure. Right, thanks for joining us, Stevie. Uh, I won't be true to myself if I didn't ask you a cheeky question. Um, so I don't know if you've been uh, following the leads of that social accounts or anything, but uh, we've got a charity prize draw running at the moment uh, for two charities close to our hearts. Uh, sadly, uh, Paul lost his son uh, around Christmas time, and James, who's not with us tonight, is uh, he, he lost his father after a long battle with Parkinson so we're raising some money for uh, the York Special Care Baby Unit and for the Orb Community Arts Project in Nairsborough um, yeah. basically we've got some random stuff uh, from the Leeds United family if you like we've got all sorts of things from a unopened Tony Yeboah Corinthian figure 
right through to an as signed as good as it gets DVD from Jonesy. Uh, yeah. Signed Jermaine Beckford lead shirt. Is there anything you can chuck in the hat for us, mate? For sure, mate. I'll uh, I'll dig some out. Yeah, I'll dig some out, mate. Uh... What a mentality signed cap or something. Oh, mate. Yeah, easy, easy. They're selling out fast, though, mate. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'll get you somewhere. I'll get you somewhere. I'll uh, I'll have a look. I'll have a look. Cool. Thank you, mate. Well, thanks for your time, pal. No dramas, no dramas, matey. Thanks for having me on. Been nice to talk through that. And uh, cheers, guys. Nice to meet you. Matt, how many other cast members of Neighbours have you ever spoken to? Uh, I think Stevie's my first. He's on IMDb, you know. I might have been to see Carl Kennedy at a uh, university event once, but I don't think I spoke to him. What about Toadfish? you ever seen him? No, never. Toadie. Never seen Toadfish. I, I mean, I was quite amused that Stevie called Paul Robinson the barman. I mean, he's more than a barman. I didn't like to uh, step in doctor. and say anything. No, exactly. Why? What is he? He's a doctor. Is he? He's a goalkeeper, actually. Oh, Paul Robinson. Yeah, he's he's the owner of Leicester's, but I mean, who he's, knows if that's still true? He's been a lot of things, including potentially a murderer back in 2004. You're about Paul Robinson, Leeds United left back now. No, I think it was. Uh, I think it was really interesting to hear about where mentality came from and the sort of mantras that Stevie lives by. Um, that don't vegetate, cultivate. It, it just, it's so simple, but it, it resonates and things like that can, can really, really help people. Yeah, you can see why he's a winner and why he's successful at things he turns his hand to. One thing I've learned, and I'm, as you keep saying, Andy, during all of these uh, interviews that we've had with the rugby league players, that I'm not a huge fan of the game, but they're quite interesting characters, aren't they? I mean, you wouldn't have expected acting to be the secondary passion of two rugby league players. Steve is a good-looking lad, though, isn't he? He could be the next Bond. He's a specimen, isn't he? It certainly is. One thing um, I've noticed about the Leeds Rhinos guys, um, Jamie Jones Buchanan included, is that they're all, and it's probably filtered down from him a lot of it, is that they're all from the, a similar sort of crop of mentality and... Um, two words that they both use in their interviews are uh, reflection and fulfillment, which is something that they both talk very passionately about. And like I say, I just think that there is something good going on there and they are a decent set of people. And uh, it's been a real pleasure hearing them talk. I think one thing that you really take away from this is just how much love that they have for the city and how that could only be good for the teams they represent and, Hopefully, uh, we've got some lads in the Leeds United group who are very similar. I think that we have, but I think it's a very new thing. I think that the football team has only just started being more passionate about the club and the city and more accessible to the fans, more articulate about what it is that they're there for in terms of the community. So hopefully that continues. But as far as I can see, the rugby rugby lads are streets ahead. And if you want to listen, if you're a rugby league fan and you want to listen to Jamie Jones Buchanan, go back to episode 27 for a fascinating chat between Andy, Paul and, and Jonesy. For more information about Mentality, uh, check out Twitter, get onto the website. And uh, if you're struggling, have a chat with people.
Yeah, so also thanks you to Stevie for offering a donation for our prize draw, which you can still enter. Uh, as Andy said, if you go back to episode 58, you can listen to the story of how we sadly lost Paul's son, Jack, and James's dad, Stuart, uh, at the start of this year over the Christmas period. Uh, and we are trying to raise money for two good causes, Orb Community Arts and for York Special Care Baby Unit. Uh, so how do we enter, James? Uh, if you go to leadsthat.com forward slash donate and uh, you'll see a couple of links on there, just click one of those and um, yeah, send some money in and <laughs> you'll go into the prize draw. Five pounds is uh, all we ask to one of those charities and you can uh, win lots of goodies. You will know all about them now and we've got something new added in from Stevie Ward, as we said earlier. And we really want to hit our targets. We've set a £2,000 target on each charity and we need your help to get there. So head over to leadsat.com and please uh, give generously and you could win some great prizes. Did you swim behind your door, Matt? Yeah, I have actually. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man. To be the sad man Behind closed doors Here we go, our new game, Behind Closed Doors. I've got a footballer, or a picture of a footballer, crudely solitaped behind my closed door. And Andy, James and Paul have to ask me yes-no questions in order to ascertain who that player is. Andy, do you want to go first? There's a lot of emphasis. Sorry, I know I'm not Andy, but there's a lot of emphasis on ascertain there. Because it was the only word that I could think of, but I knew it was a bit wanky. So I decided to just go the whole hog. I like it. Well, I, I don't like it, but I like it. So you said player. Did this person play for Leeds United? Yes, they did. I've got their uh, Wikipedia page up here to prove it. Zoom in on his eyeballs. Let's have a look at the reflection. Did they play in the 90s? No. No. Naughties? Sorry. Yeah, it's, it is my go. Naughties? No. I hate the word noughties. Yeah, same. And the tens. What's the tens? Did they play in the tens? Yes, Paul. Are they in the current squad? No. Did they play in League One? No. Piss. I'd won year. Did they play in the championship? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Were they part of the Gary Monk era? Um, I'm going to break from the yes-no and say they were attached to the club during the Gary Monk era attached to the club they were they were at the club they were owned by the club is probably the right thing to say were they a youth player that came through the ranks no did they play in midfield no did they play like winger no at least not primarily not really at all were they Brazilian no did they play in up front yes were they European Yes. Italian? No. It's Pavel Shabiki, isn't it? No. Ah! He was a winger. Well, that's what I thought, but then Thomas Brolin was a, a, a striker the other week, according to Paul. What, you thought I'd just got it wrong? Helping. I'm completely blank from the monkey. You only need to ask a question. You don't need to know who it is. Yeah, that's true. Were they sold or were they moved on when Bielsa arrived? No. Was it Chani? No. Is it Sullivan Dukara? No. Oh. Oh. Were they number nine? No. 
did they get much game time? No. Remember the pre-season photos where they were all like at a shotgun place? They're all shooting stuff. No. I'm trying to think if he was on, if he was part of that. Oh, I thought that was the question. Sounds like this player might have missed. I have no idea. Has he scored the leads? Are we talking in a competitive game? Training. I assume so. So that's a yes, it's still on me. Why? <laughs> I have no idea whether he scored in training, but if he didn't, there'd be something horribly wrong. I want someone to correct us on it. I was in training with him and he missed everyone. This is a good one, Matt. I'm glad. That, I'm glad. Did he play at Swansea? Do you mean for Swansea? Yeah, prior to coming to Leeds at any point. No. Are they English? No. Did they score in a professional game for Leeds? Not according to Wikipedia and not according to my memory. Do they even like football? I believe so. Did they come from an English club or a British club into Leeds? Which one are you asking, English or British? I don't know who it is. I'm in. I am in the game. Don't let uh, this Andy put you. The secret is to not let Andy put you under pressure when he says that. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, he, he balls it up. I think he might have this one. I've got English. a feeling he's got it. English? No. Irish? No. Is it Lee Irwin? Yes, it is, Andy. Well done. Well, unfortunately, he did get it right this time. <laughs> he's well got done. a lot of tattoos, you know, that lad. Has he? Loads. I remember bumping into him at the Trinity Centre. His Wikipedia page doesn't cover his tattoos. His current club is Ross County, uh, where he scored one goal in 17 appearances following a spell at Tractor Sport Club in Iran. There you go. Anyone want to know if I've got out behind my door or not? No. No. Hey, we've had a reply from Bryn. We've actually had three replies from Bryn. So I asked him, uh, we're just recording and debating. Will commentators be in the grounds or will it be a feed you watch? Not a clue. Leeds would like commentary team in the ground, I believe, but no idea whether it'll happen. Um, Don't even know about the feed, but yeah, basically I know nothing. I'm certainly ready to get back to some work if the call comes. Well, I hope then they're in the ground, but then actually would would you even notice whether they're in the ground or not if it's deadly silent? I hope for Bryn that they're in the ground. Yeah, me too. And we hope for the players that Noel Whelan is in the ground. Andy, who's behind your closed door? Well, you got to ask the questions, haven't you? Are they English? No. Game's rubbish. <laughs> Did they play for Leeds United in the 2000s, the noughties? No. Did they play for Leeds United in the 10s? Yes. Did they play for Leeds United in League One? No. Have they played for Leeds in this decade as in 2020 onwards yes no did they play for Leeds under more than one manager surely every player at Leeds has played under more than one manager I'm going to say yes okay did they play under Neil Warnock yes were they signed by Neil Warnock no did they score any goals in training thousands I'd imagine Italian? No. Is this player European? No. Are they South American? Yes. 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 Are they Nicaraguan? No. Honduran was what I meant. Go on, give him it. Is that his turn? I know exactly who it is, but the name has completely gone. Ask a question then. Are they Honduran? Yes. Matthew's face is saying Honduras is in North America. 
hopefully that's what it's saying, or Central America, which is part of North America rather than South, but it's fine. It's saying that, but it's also saying I can only think of one player who we've had who's on Duran. What's that got to do with anything? Well, I don't think it can be this player, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Based on a previous question. Which was? Well, don't worry, I'm going to get the player who I think it is up on Wikipedia and not make a fool of myself. Okay. I know who it is, but it's Paul's go. That's it's James's go still. Oh, it goes James, James Matt Paul. Oh, yeah. I don't know who it is, so skip me. Are they Central America, North America, not South America? They're from Honduras. <laughs> yeah, go on, Matt. Why don't you ask their position? Uh, what's their favourite position? <laughs> uh, are they a midfielder? Yes. Are they a striker? No. I don't know who it is. That's why I asked that. Skip to Matthew. Go on, Matt. Put us out of misery. Are you sure they're not a striker? Attacking midfielder. It's got to be Ramon Nunes, hasn't it? <laughs> Correct. Ramon Nunes is behind Nunes. Ramon, 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 Nunes. I would have put a bit of money on him having played in League One until I just read his Wikipedia page. I had a conversation with a Honduran gentleman about Ramon Nunes. That's a very niche sentence, isn't it? Yeah. It's like me saying that I had a conversation with an English person about Calvin Phillips. You think Nunes is as good as Phillips? No. In fact, you're right. Actually, Paul's story's worse. The Hondurans are very proud of Ramon Nunes. Rightly so, very underrated. Just having a look at his Wikipedia page, in, after his first club, he never played more than 30, 30-odd games for a team before moving on, which seems a shame. An underrated, underrated player. Honduran journeyman. He's still playing now for uh, the Mesquite Outlaws indoor. Well, that's a cool fact. The Mesquite Outlaws are an American professional indoor soccer franchise based in Mesquite, Texas. When were they founded? They were founded in 2019 and their first season was ended early due to coronavirus disease. Who's their head coach? Tattoo. Tattoo! (laughs) As in that singer? Tattoo, yeah. Russian music duo consisted of Lena Katina and Julia Volkova. Ah, no. This is Antonio Carlos Pecorino, the Brazilian football coach and former player, one of the most accomplished indoor football players of all time. Come on, lads. I love it when you go down a Wikipedia hole. Yeah, but it's even funnier because his nickname is Armadillo in Portuguese. I like it, it's some peacocks coming from your ear. Don't start on the peacocks. You can cut this if you want, but this is absolutely true. I went for a run around here and I was running down the lane and like two women were running towards me. Hey, up. As usual. Sure. And uh, I was like, I'm sure I recognize them. And they both said hello. I was like, hi. But I was, you know, like, tried, tried standing up straight like I wasn't about to fall over because um, I was so tired. And I swear to God, it was the cheeky girls. No, it wasn't. I swear to God. One of the cheeky girls lives near where I live. Do you live in Malta? So, yeah. I saw the cheeky girls when I was out for a run. How do they know you? They just said hello. They're like jogging past one another. Cheeky. I, yeah, I don't, I'm not on like first name terms with the, the cheekies or the girls. I don't know what you want to call them. What's their surname? Is it cheeky like the Chuckle Brothers? 
Well, that's the thing. I don't know. This has been a really odd podcast, Harry, hasn't it? We've, we've spoken about neighbours. We've spoken about the cheeky girls. It's been my favourite type. Okay, just quickly, time for us to refresh our Clock for Carers bingo cards. Last week, nobody scored any points whatsoever, so it remains two to Matt, two to James, and nil to Andy and Paul. All right, leave it out. Go on, Andy, who have you got this week? I'm still going to go with Panic and Snowball, Richard Naylor. I'm going to go with a friend of the pod, Tim Bresnan. I'm going to go Bielsa, Peter Sweeney. Do you know what? After... Uh... Mike Greller and Tori Andre Flo, I think that's a decent shout. So to recap, Kisnobo, Naylor, Bresnan, Bielsa, Sweeney. I'm going the Leeds team in training. It's not a bit of a cheat. No, I think it's perfectly reasonable guess. I also put Bielsa. I've got Alan Smith again, Reaney and Victor Otter. Reaney's done it. The uh, okay, Beanie. <laughs> as in Mark Beanie 90s goalkeeper with the brilliant Thistle Hotels multicoloured goalkeeper top we all know him I'm going to go with Terry Venables Neil Warnock <laughs> Steve Evans you've had your guesses Peter Reid and then I've gone for Harry Kuehl and Alan Smith oh when they went Rio Ferdinand I think all bets were off as to who could be included Every week I hope you're wrong. Every week you're right, so, you know, I like to give you a little something to cheer on a Thursday evening after you've cheered for the carers. Go on then, Matt, finish us off and then tell us who you've got for your guess. I am sticking with my bingo card of Richard Naylor, Chris Moyles, Victor Orta, Salim Lamrani and Trezor Candol. And we reckon this one's going to be the last one, don't we? What, the last podcast? Oh, That's well, big news. not that. I hope it's not our last podcast. I mean, it's probably going to be the last clap for uh, carers. Yeah, we don't care after next week. I hope so. Wank at this game. Do you know, we get some really nice uh, messages on social media. Do we? Yeah, and emails and stuff. People always write to us and I'm surprised. There's one that I need to um, call out specifically, but we got one from uh, Josh Hendrickson this week who said uh, he enjoys the podcast when he goes out for runs, um, which is amazing, really. I, st- I do find it amazing that anyone listens to this, So, but thanks for the messages. I find it amazing they could run. Yeah, well, there is that as well. Um, but as well, this week, Liam Cooper also retweeted um, the, uh, the, the prize draw, which was fantastic. Yeah, thank you for that, Skips. Keep listening. And we also received uh, a few anonymous donations um, to the prize draw. And, and thank you, whoever you are. Um, anyone wanting to enter the prize draw, it's leadsthat.com forward slash donate. And uh, make sure you uh, put your name in down so we can contact you should you win. Thanks again to Stevie Ward for coming and having a chat with us. And thanks for listening. You can visit our website and check out all the old podcasts that we've done. We've got plenty of content for you to listen to while you're out on your runs or sat at home, or doing whatever you do. Hopefully this time next week, we'll know a little bit more about when football starts. Until then, keep safe, keep smiling, keep listening to Leeds That. Sports Social Podcast Network.